Hi, welcome to the Little Way Podcast. My name is Dana, and this is episode two. This episode will reflect on the central message of Christianity, the gospel, by walking through a story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter seven, called A Sinful Woman Forgiven. And I'm gonna go through this in what I call three echoes of the gospel. So the first echo of this passage. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. In the first echo, we look at this line. Jesus took his place at table in the Pharisee's house. He took his place. What is Jesus's place? Before I can give thoughts on Jesus's place, I need to start with asking, what is my place? Who am I? Where do I come from? Where am I going? First, I am created. I have to start here because accepting this as truly true already changes a lot about my life. I am created by a creator. This implies that the world around me is created, that life itself is created. And when things are created well, they are created with a purpose. They're created for something, created toward an end. And when something is created with a purpose, it follows that it is being fulfilled or it is happiest when it is tending toward that purpose, when it's tending toward that end. So I'm created by a creator for a purpose. Who is this creator and what is this purpose? Looking at the human experience, we create things to be in relationship with them. This is true for the most meaningless creations. I am in relationship with my coffee mug. Our relationship is that I use it each morning to drink coffee. Its purpose is to hold coffee and it is happiest when it is holding my coffee. And this is true for the most meaningful creations human life. My first known experience of being created is being born into my family. Why did my parents create me? They're happy in their relationship with each other. My parents' love naturally tended toward giving itself away to make new life, me, for the purpose of loving me, to care for me, to see themselves in me, to share family life if I trace my family back, if I trace the world back, 
I come to the conclusion that something came from nothing in this creation of something from nothing was the work of a creator who we call God. And why did God create? For relationship. I am created by God to be in relationship with him. This is my purpose, the end in which I am happiest when I am tending towards it. Relationship with God who creates me, so I call God my Father. I am created by the Father to be in relationship with Him. And I must surrender to this as true. But clearly my life experience proves to me that I do not do this well. I often leave the Father's house, so to speak. We can call this sin. So what is Jesus's place? Jesus is the Father's Son. He is God and he is man, the God-man. He bridges God and man so that through him, I return to the house of my Father in heaven, to the table of my Father. Jesus took his place at table in the Pharisee's home. He takes his place at table in my heart so that by sitting with him, I can take my place at table in the house of my father. The second echo of the gospel. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. When the woman learned he was at table, she learned. She didn't know, and now she knows. This is a conversion. So conversion can be broken into two understandings. There's conversion in general, and there are moments of conversion. So conversion in general. In general, conversion is the lifelong process of believing in Jesus. It is going from believing in Jesus as the great character of a story to believing in Jesus as historical and true, as alive and working as the true center of human history and the center of my life. Right? Is God real? Do I believe in him? What does it mean to believe in him? Who is Jesus? This general lifelong conversion Believing we are created by the Father for love, reconciled to Him by the Son, and invited to live in the Father's house forever, is made up of many moments of conversion. Moments. The woman learned He was at table. This is a moment of conversion in her life. There was a way she did not know Jesus, and now there is a way she knows Him. And maybe we can guess that she's had an encounter with Jesus before this moment. Some other moment that moved her, that converted her. 
so that when she finds out where he is, where he's having dinner, she goes there to meet him again. And there will be many moments. Personally, I've been following Jesus closely for about six years now. And these years have been made up of many moments. For example, last year around Easter time, a friend of mine who is an archeologist told me that over the weekend, he found a shark tooth that was 60 million years old. I said, wow, that's really incredible. That is truly an unfathomable amount of time to me, 60 million years. And I, and I realized that Jesus lived 2000 years ago. So, wow, that's really not long in comparison. Right? I learned, I converted, that I'm not far removed from the historical incarnation. That was a moment of conversion for me. It made me believe in Jesus more than I did the moment before. It can be a very simple moment, right? Learning Jesus's location in town on a particular night at dinner. But what is key is how we respond to learning, how we respond to the conversion moment. The third echo. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. She kissed his feet. If you're familiar with the scene of the Last Supper in John's Gospel, Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. When Jesus tries to wash his disciple Simon's feet, Simon says, you will never wash my feet. Why? Because this is a humiliating action, an impoverished thing to do, the work of a servant. This woman has not only washed Jesus' feet, but she has kissed them. This is very intimate. Two things are happening here. She has brought herself very close to Jesus in an intimate way, a humiliating way, a desperate way. And Jesus has brought himself close to her as well. He has not moved away from her. And in some sense, it is he who invites her into this gesture. He's the guest of honor at this dinner party she has so suddenly busted into. So he certainly must have held off anyone trying to stop what she was doing and welcomed her to come close to him. This is a moment where her poverty and her desperation for love meets his. She kisses his feet and she cries on his feet. For our reflection, this is an introduction to the sacraments of the church. In crying on him, she brings her eyelash close to him. There's the sacrament of reconciliation, 
confessing your sins to a priest and asking God's forgiveness. Reconciliation. Cilia is Latin for eyelash. Reconciliation. Re, once again, con, with, cilia, eyelash. Reconciliation. To be eyelash to eyelash with Jesus once again. And crying on him, she brings her eyelash close to him. Reconciliation. In kissing him, she brings her lips close to him. This is the sacrament of the Eucharist, the adoration of Jesus in bread and wine. Adoration. This is derived from the Latin ad ora, which translates to the mouth. To adore is to be mouth to mouth with God, properly aligned to the divine source, breathing in God's life. She kisses him. There is no point discussing the gospel if we do not sit with the gospel. So a couple thoughts. One, to sit with the gospel, remove obstacles. Obstacles can be material or spiritual. Put your phone away. Be in a place that is quiet. Breathe slowly and deeply as you focus your mind. Receive the sacrament of reconciliation to remove the obstacle of sin. Be comfortable enough that you're not distracted, but not so comfortable that you fall asleep. Posture-wise, I tell myself that my heart often follows what my hands do. So to have a posture of receptivity open hands, being still. Acknowledge the presence of God. Lord, I believe you are present to me. Thank you for being present to me. Invite the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit into your heart. Father, I invite you to hold me as your child. Jesus, I invite you to take your place at table in my heart. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my mind to guide me. And finally, how do I know? How do I know if it's the Lord speaking or if it's just me? Or if it's just my mind? There's no easy answer to this, but there is a simple one. The Lord dwells within us, and so he speaks within us. Your Father is not deceptive. 